0: Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined this week by Becky and a special guest host, Russell Hartnell. Russ is a colleague of ours at Blue Seat Blogs and is filling in for Dave this week. On today's show, we discuss the continuous road ahead for the NHL as the league has begun a brief pause in all operations leading into its annual three-day Christmas break. The Rangers are, so far, one of the teams that has avoided a widespread outbreak. But how long can that really last? We'll also answer the question, what's on the Rangers' wish list this holiday season? And we'll get to a fan question as well. But first, we want to welcome in Russ, as I said, guest hosting this week uh, in the absence of Dave. Um, Russ, just want just kind of want to say hi to you, and, and maybe you could give us a little bit of background on you know on your you know how you became a Ranger fan, how you became part of this blogger community. Tell tell the uh, the folks your story.
1: For sure, thanks uh, you know Rob and Becky for having me. It's great to be on Pot doing a podcast again. It's been some time, but I love doing this. So I became a New York Rangers fan in two thousand and six, two thousand five. So Henrik Lundqvist's first season on Broadway was my first season as a fan. Um, I met this kid in my middle school who would nonstop be talking about hockey all day, all day in class. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot for you. First game I ever watched was a New Jersey, New Jersey Devils versus New York Rangers game on MSG. And I was hooked from that moment on. Uh, and actually it was a game where Yager was skating around in the Liberty Jersey. So, I mean, it was, it was awesome to watch. It was just great. Um, my first ever game was in 2007, uh, after the Gomez and Jury signings, the f- I was four rows back from Hank, and the Rangers beat uh, the Penguins in a shootout by a goal from Freddie Shustrum. Pretty pretty oh, wow. great game. I yeah, love, pretty great game. Uh, Marcus Naslin scored the tying goal with uh, – no, Marcus Naslin scored in the third, and Nikolay Zherdev scored the tying goal with seven seconds left in the third period. So that was a really cool game to go to. Um Besides, I've just been an insane Ranger fan since then. In college, I was instructed to uh, start a blog for one of my journalism classes, and I started a hockey blog. It doesn't exist anymore, only had a few posts, but got noticed by some people on Twitter. I wrote for a site called Forever Blue Shirts for about four seasons, left there, and then I messaged Dave, asked if he needed space for any more writers, and now I'm here.
0: Awesome. Well, we are really glad to have you. Thank you, Um, thank you i was gonna maybe ask just one more question so you, you've obviously been to more games since that first game i was at that game as well by the way sitting oh, in my usual awesome. seats upstairs it was awesome, yeah. awesome so i was there shared that moment with you from uh from a distance that's I, I assume yeah, but that game was amazing um, it was awesome but um what is the f- your favorite game you've been to do you have like a game that stands out um over the years or, or was that it was your first game your like favorite
1: that's definitely up there for sure But uh, one of my favorite games, it's funny, it's not actually a regular season game, it was a preseason game. And the reason for this was because I got to introduce uh, someone who's never been to a hockey game, uh, brought them to their first hockey game, and was a Rangers-Devils preseason game from earlier this preseason. And, you know, he got to see Panarin score, Kako score. You know, it was a great game all around, great rivalry game. And even though it wasn't a a, uh, regular season game... To introduce someone to the love of the game and have him tell me after we get out of the garden, I've never been to one of these and you guys and the Rangers have made me want to go again. That's all that's what it's about. And that's that was probably my favorite game I've been to.
0: That's great. Yeah, no, that's really awesome. And and um, so yeah, thanks for that, Russ. Really appreciate it and, and glad to have you on to talk about everything that's going on with the Rangers right now, and unfortunately, you know, that's not a lot. They, they've had a bunch of days off since their last game, which was uh, Friday versus Vegas. That was a shootout loss. They were supposed to play on uh, Wednesday. So this podcast obviously comes out on Wednesday morning. They should have had their last game uh, coming up tonight against Montreal. That game was postponed. But, you know, before we dive into some of the COVID stuff, which is a little bit less fun to talk about, of course, I just want to, you know, go back to the last week of games and, and, and talk about a few things that might have stood out uh, to each of us starting with the Colorado game so that was the four2 loss to the avalanche um on the road uh, remember they had played Colorado the week before at home and lost seven to three so a little bit of a different game I thought the Rangers you know kind of held their own a little bit better but still ended up losing four to two and I guess I'll start with you Becky did anything about that game stand out to you the the four2 loss to Colorado
2: I think um i it's like just and I don't want to use the word concerning because it feels like very dramatic, but it was slightly concerning for me because it feels like, all right, we're talking about the Rangers as a, um, as a playoff team, right? Like a lot's got to go really bad for them to not be a playoff team. And if, Mm -hmm. if it goes bad, like you guys can all blame me. You have full, (laughs) full permission. This is completely my fault. No one else is saying this. So, um, So they're a playoff team, right? They had played this team a week earlier or two week and a half earlier, whatever it was, and got the shit kicked out of them. I mean, like, just completely blown out, whatever. Now you're playing them again, and that doesn't necessarily mean you need to win, but they didn't really show up. And that's the problem. Like, the game itself, like, they... I'm just looking really briefly at numbers because I need to look at numbers to, like, refresh my memory here. And they didn't they, – they just – they didn't have it. Like, their – the expected goals were, like, 36%. I mean, it was just not great at five-on-five. Five, um, I'm sorry, five-on-five five five score and venue adjusted. So it was 36%. Um, my computer is completely breaking.
0: <laughs> well, the thing I remember about that game, too, just to, you know, jump in there, is they didn't really – Make a push until the very end when they pulled the goalie, and then they scored. It was th- it was three to one. Kreider scores. Uh, no, excuse me. I don't even remember who got the three two goal, but Kreider had a chance to tie it right after that. I think
2: it was Kako, wasn't it Kako? No, because he or scored. The he game. The, uh, the I'm three, thinking of the next goal, game.
1: the three two goal was Gautier. Gautier backhand. Yes, three, that's right off the mm, rebound. Right, 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 right. Thank you. Bro. I feel like there's no been problem, no hockey problem.
2: for like a month, and it's barely been a few days. So <laughs> yeah.
0: But no, I mean, I agree with you. There was not much there, uh, you know, um, from the Rangers, especially at 5-on-5 five five in that game. And, and really, they, like I said, they had to pull the goalie to basically mount any kind of, uh, of offense against Colorado. And offense has been a little bit of a problem for this team, especially 5-on-5. Five five. I mean, Russ, I don't know if you had any thoughts about the Colorado game. Um, I don't know if you agree with that or if you saw something different than us. But what were your general thoughts coming out of that?
1: The Colorado game was interesting to me because like Becky said, you know, they got their shit pushed in the game before and you want to just show you want want to show something else against that team. And for me, that last push they had, I mean, that was so great. And I understand it was six on five. Of course, you have the goaltender pulled, but you've shown you've had the personnel that can make a push like that. You've shown you can fight back against this team who many people have picked to win, win the Stanley Cup this year. And you want to see that, you know, as as much as I've loved the Gerard Glant era so far over the David Quinn era in terms of just on ice decisions, you still want to see him be able to get the team to reach that level, not just in the last three minutes of a hockey game, but you want to see them try to take over when they actually have more time to poss- possibly get a win.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And um, you're right, because on one hand, it's encouraging, because I think, you know, I think back to some of those David Quinn era games. And they would not have been able to make a push like that to even down a goal or two. Um, even when the other team is sitting back and against lesser competition, they rarely had a furious push like that in them um, and, and largely the same personnel. Right. I mean, you know, it's uh, those Quinn teams had Panarin. They had, you know, they had Zibanejad at the height of his powers. They had Chris Kreider. Like they had a lot of these same key players. They had Adam Fox. Um And for some reason, like you said, it does sort of click a little bit better in those late-game situations when they need to make a push. But I agree, you know, you don't want to wait until the last three minutes of the game. I mean, the other thing that just overall, you know, that aside, uh, this game sort of indicated to me was, and and I'm not usually one, and I think I tweeted this after this game, I'm not usually one to sort of buy into these narratives or or these sorts of, like, sort of hot-takey things. But, you know, here we are in a podcast giving our hot takes, right? (laughs) I think this game showed me that the Rangers are still a cut below the top level of the NHL. Um, They just are not of the same quality as Colorado. I'll say Tampa's in that category. I think Florida's in that category. I think Carolina's in that category. Um, There's probably a couple of other teams I'm missing. I think the Rangers are very much in that next cut. I I don't think they'll have any problem with any, uh, you know, I don't think they have any problem with beating any of the teams in that next tier on a regular basis. But they just don't look like they can hang with the elite of the NHL or hang with probably isn't the right word, but they don't seem like they could consistently beat or play to the level of the, of the elite teams, in the NHL. Um, Becky, I don't know if you agree with that. Do you think that's too much of a hot take on my part?
2: No, I mean I think that's kind of what I was trying to say before. It's that like when you have a playoff team, you should be able to beat other teams or at least come back with a little bit more of an inspiring effort. And I don't think that that was the case. So I'm not like I said, I'm not like deeply concerned. But I'd like I, I would I would have liked to have seen more of an effort, even strength, like not just a push at the very end
0: yeah and then you know the next night they go to arizona they win the game three two but they need two late power plays another another furious charge to get it done um full disclosure becky and i were out uh for a little event that night so holiday event so we weren't able to watch the game live but i was following it russ i don't know if you caught that game and i caught taco obviously comes up huge yeah with the with the two goals I mean, I thought that was, you know, from what I saw of the game and read about it afterwards and, and all that seemed like one of obviously he scores the two goals, but he was also a force all night. Um, what were your thoughts on that game and specifically Kako in that one?
1: Well, I mean, this is what you want to see. This is I, I would take three, two wins all year if it meant Capo Kako and or Alexi Lafreniere would be scoring goals in all of these wins. I mean, this is, this is exactly what, going into the year, the Rangers want from these two kids. And Kako especially, since that game against the New Jersey Devils, what feels like a year ago for some reason now. But since that game, he has just looked like, you know, the kid who they picked second overall. The kid that they've wanted to take this next step forward. And the goals he scored in Arizona, I mean, I know you have the people, oh, it's Arizona. Yeah, but you know what? It's the way he scored the goals was really cool. But all in tight, using his body, finding a little bit of space, and making the right play at the right time. And without him, the Rangers don't win that game. And he was just on it, and I love the second goal he scored, the tap in from front of the net off the pass from Kreider, who, by the way, had three assists, so I want whatever Chris <laughs> Kreider's eaten this year.
0: Yeah. He's, he, I mean, a three assist and normally it takes him a month to get three assists and that's not to speak ill of his talent, but he's just a goal scorer, right? He's not much of a, of a playmaker. Um, I would agree with you, especially about that devil game for being the turning point for Kako. He has looked like a different player since then. And I think a lot of people are, you know, really fussing over the lines right now. And we can maybe talk about the line combinations a little bit, or maybe we'll get into that, you know, in a, a little bit later in the show, but. To me, he looks like the type of player that you play him anywhere and he's going to do the same thing. You know, he's like you said, Russ, he's gotten a lot better at using his strength and his size to create space, um, hold on to the puck. He's getting to the right areas now, uh, the goal-scoring areas right in front. Um, Obviously, like you said, he had a tap-in goal on the power play. He also scored a rebound goal earlier in the game. Another, I think, storyline from this game was that it was kind of a little bit of a turning point for Mika Zibanejad, who has been playing better and sort of stacking up one point games here and there, mostly assists on power play goals and things like that. But, you know, he had a couple of points in this game. I believe he had a goal and an assist. Um, So, you know, good signs there. And, you know, I think if the Rangers are going to become one of those elite teams, they're going to need Mika. Um, Becky, any thoughts on the Arizona game before we move on to Vegas?
2: Let's move on. I've got nothing, nothing to, to add here.
0: So, the, the Vegas game was interesting. That was a 3-2 shootout loss. I was at that game. Um, and I'll just start by saying this. You know, normally I'd go to you guys first and then give my two cents. But I've been chomping at the bit to sort of rant for a couple minutes about this game. So um, the first period was not very good until the last six or seven minutes when the Rangers really started dominating. Then the second period, they played what I think was maybe their best period all year. I think a lot of the players in the post-game press conference said that. They absolutely dominated Vegas. You know, I know Vegas had some shot attempts and I think if you look at the, it's one of those cases where if you look at the charts, they may be a little bit misleading because, you know, Vegas didn't really threaten very much in that period at all. The Rangers, you know, scored a couple of goals. Mika Zibanejad, absolute laser wrist shot to tie the game at one earlier, early in the period. And then Chris Kreider, tap in power play goal right after that. Strom hits the post and it felt like the Rangers were going to run away with the game. And then the third period happened. And, that was, and I don't know if you guys saw the same thing as me, and maybe it was you know the couple of Guinnesses and the bud light I had at the between the first and second period uh negatively coloring my view, but that was a really bad period by the Rangers. I thought they were passive. Uh, I don't want to use the term lazy, I don't think this team is lazy, but they were passive, um, and they looked like they were trying to run out the clock, and they looked like they were giving Vegas way too much respect. Um, and Vegas wasn't doing much either. I mean, it was it was 13, 14 minutes into that period. I think the shots on goal were 2-2 or 3-2 apiece, but then Vegas scores on a face-off win, and all of a sudden you find yourself in a shootout, and it's a point lost instead of two points gained. So um, I was really, really upset about that game, and so, Becky, why don't we come to you first? Was I right? Talk me off the ledge, or, you know, was I wrong? Where where are you with that?
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: Because I really thought that was a shitty period, and I just to drive the point home.
2: <laughs> I think that was a really shitty period. I think it was also highlighted by the fact that they played so well in the second period that you were like, "I know you could do it." I don't really think you're tired. So, like, what's going on, baby? Like, what what's wrong here? Just tell me. Um, I I mean, I hate. That like that playing, it like throws me back to just AV like days where you're just like, I'm just going to rely on my goalie. And I know that we don't, you know, the goalie and that wasn't wasn't like a Henrik and wasn't Igor or whatever. But I just hate that mindset um, more than anything. And so I don't think that you're being unfair by saying this. I think that like it's one game. So you're going to have to get over it as long as it doesn't become a trend. But um, but it wasn't great. And probably if I were Gallant, I wouldn't be thrilled in the locker room afterward. I, I did think that overtime was fun. Say that like overtime, they weren't dead. So I guess they remembered like, oh, shit, we still have to play this game. So, um, you know, unfortunate that they can't score in the shootout. But I don't know. It's the thing that hurts is that it was a game that they shouldn't have had to have settled for a point. I think that's the thing that, yes. that is bothering you so much. So, And that's fair. That's fair feedback. So as long as that doesn't become the trend, I'd say like, all right, let's just hope that was an outlier. But um, if it becomes a trend, then you've got a real problem.
0: Russ, how did you feel in the aftermath of the of the game? Because I thought it was pretty split among the people I talked to, the, what I saw on Twitter after the game. Some people were fine, like, hey, look, Vegas is a top team, you know, probably not in that Colorado tier, but maybe, I mean, especially when Eichel joins the fold, they, I think they definitely are. Um, people were like, hey, we got a point against Vegas. That's great. Um, I was not in that camp, but where where were you? I that?
1: am not in that camp either. I mean, look, out of all the revenge games people could have, right? Out of all the players <laughs> I knew someone was gonna say that could have it. the revenge game. I mean, are you are you kidding? Like, like are, are you really, really kidding me? I understand there's always that narrative when, uh, when former players come back or when players needing to score their first goal in the NHL playoffs for some reason. There is that narrative. But, man, this this narrative really had to happen. This player, this night, who had to steal a point from the Rangers. I'm not even going to say the name because everyone knows who I'm talking about already. But, my God, like, out of all the players you could have put up two points against you and, and have this kind of game, why? Why? That's all I have to say.
2: All I'm I... going to say is, is channel your inner Beyonce and just... Just... You know, much success to this person, and his success will not be our failure. And if I still have to read about Pavel Buchnevich on my timeline and Matt Zuccarello, who for some reason showed up on my timeline recently, and I was like, I'm gonna throw my laptop, my phone, the internet as a whole. Twitter, like I'm gonna get a a Twitter bird like stuffed animal and throw all of this shit in the middle of the ocean so I don't have to read about it again. Like I'm gonna do it.
1: I had no idea there was Zuccarello discourse again. I have I not seen fucking that. cannot. That is crazy. And like to be
2: to be completely blunt, like I've not been on Twitter very much lately for a plethora, like just many, many reasons. Right. And I and very disappointed that in the five minutes that I was on Twitter that day, I had to see that name. And I wish Matt's well. I have no yeah. ill will toward him, but like, I don't. I don't need to see the like. Oh, if we had Matt Suggarell,a we would have won six cups. No, you wouldn't have.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. And and Stop. I do agree with you with the Booch discourse. I'm getting tired of it already too. Like, I
2: love him. I want. I love him, to him do too. Well.
1: But at some point, you can't just say, "Oh, the Rangers would have won the game if he was there." It's like. He, uh, he can't say that for every single loss. And I feel like some people do consistently. And again, like we're saying, I want the guy to do well, and I hope he has great success where he is now. But it's so tiring after every game, and it's like, oh, this is the reason why. No, it's not.
0: Yeah, it's really no. not. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think to that to your point earlier, Russ, Yeah, I could stomach Zuccarello having a two-point game yeah. I could stomach Booch having a two- or three-point game. You almost expect it, right? I mean, look, yep. those guys are point-per-game players anyway. Okay. They do that to everybody else. So if they come in here, I mean, I hope Zuccarello has a little bit more respect for his friend Henrik Lundqvist on, on Lundqvist night to not, oh, yeah. uh, you know, drop a, a, a three-point game on the Rangers. But, um, you know, uh, those guys are talented players. You know, for it to be, I'll say the name, for it to be Brett Frickin' Howden, um, on a on a Friday night at Madison Square Garden – getting two points and wrecking what otherwise was a pretty good game from the Rangers. I think all things considered that definitely leaves a sour taste in your mouth as a fan as well, especially because he was so useless and got so many opportunities. And now, you know, you look at his stats. Yeah. Look, he's never going to put up a lot of goals or points, but he's been a pretty serviceable bottom six, you know, fourth line player for them when he couldn't do that for the Rangers. And that to me is frustrating. Look, that's that's what's so frustrating. That
1: is exactly it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So Yeah. Uh, look, as you said, Becky, Brett Howden can have all the success he, he dreams of. I think he might be one of the guys that will be healthy scratched in a big game or in the playoffs or when they have to mm-hmm. shuffle things around for an Eichel joins, because he's obviously, you know, not, not too special of a player, but he had his moment in the sun. Uh, there was no tribute video, by the way, in case you guys were wondering, were wondering for Brett Howden at, uh, at any of the stoppages and play at MSG on Friday. So thank goodness for that. That's um, shocking. <laughs> well, you, know, you never know sometimes with that stuff, honestly. Um, So and then, you know, just to kind of close off the recap, then we learned earlier this week that Wednesday's game against the Montreal Canadiens was postponed due to uh, a ban on essentially cross-border travel. You know, neither team, I think the Rangers or Canadians, are dealing with too bad of a COVID outbreak. But the NHL has decided to err on the side of caution, especially leading into you know, this holiday break coming up. Uh, they were already postponing a lot of games um, and kind of here we are. So that, that brings us right to our, our, you know, next segment here, guys, which is the COVID pause. So, um, you know, as, as I said at the top of the show, we're doing a hockey podcast when there's not too much hockey going on. All games are postponed through December 27th. There are, I think, currently over 100 players in COVID protocol. And we learned just a couple of hours before recording this that the NHL has withdrawn, the players have withdrawn themselves from the Beijing Winter Olympics. So there you have it. The long uh, awaited and anticipated decision has finally been made. Um, Russ, we haven't had a chance to talk to you. And and by the way, we did mention this uh, last week, but uh, and and just before we hopped on to record here, um, we know you had a positive uh, case of COVID and and you had some symptoms. So we're glad to hear you're feeling better. Um, That's great news. But You know, what are your thoughts on kind of what the NHL is going through with COVID right now, and do you think they're handling it the right way?
1: I think pausing the season was absolutely the correct thing to do. Um, I just just think it's so upsetting that we're at this point again, that this just feels like, you know, whatever progress we have made as a society, whatever we have done since the last big lockdown, it's just we're here again, and I mean... it's it's just upsetting that this pandemic still has such a hold on us as a society, and you just hope that, you know, it's, just, it's, just, it's such a tough situation because you want everyone to be healthy, and it seems the decisions of some are causing the majority not to be, and you just want this to pass as soon as possible so people can see their families again, sports can go on as normal, and life can get back to normal for so many people because it's about to be year three of this at at this point and you just you just want to see people as a whole healthy again and that's all i really got to say about that
0: no it's really well put and i think you know the the obviously there's physical um you know uh aspects of this and you you yourself have dealt with them firsthand very recently but just the as you kind of mentioned the mental and emotional aspect of it you know going into something that's been like you said in going into its third year now, um, what everybody went through in March of 2020. And there's been a lot of references to March of 2020. I think this is somewhat different due to the vaccination rate due to, you know, the fact that, um, we know more about the virus now than we did back then. Um, but th- there are echoes of March, 2020. And I think, you know, the, I, I think I read something I may have to, you know, fact check this, uh, you know, uh, maybe next episode. But I believe that the province of Quebec actually shut down bars, restaurants, theaters. They basically closed everything. They did. They They did, did, right? Yeah. And that really sucks because, you know, um, I thought we were past that, you know, and and I think a lot of us can live with restrictions and protocols and tests and masks and, and getting vaccines and booster shots. I think a lot of people are game for that. And then, like you said, Russ, you do the right thing and it's still does not feel safe to go to go do the normal things that you've been used to doing your whole life. So it's definitely a bummer. Um, Becky, I don't know if you have anything to add there.
2: I mean, I I think it's like, it is a little silly right now because technically the NHL hasn't like shut down, but at the same time, there's one game tonight. Um, so tonight, you know, we're recording on Tuesday night, so there's one game tonight. Um, well, there was I, one
0: game. They postponed that game, right? Or no, they didn't.
2: No, it's Vegas.
0: Vegas. Oh, right. So they're playing. So this is the last game.
2: Vegas, Tampa. It's the only game tonight. Yeah. So whatever. I mean, like, whatever. It's it's kind of like as it is with most of the NHL, a half-assed effort to do something that like could have just been done. I I'm so torn because I think, and I think we had this conversation last week. So not to like, drag it back into the light, but it, it gets to a point where it's mentally exhausting. Like, it is, like, mentally, emotionally, and honestly, physically exhausting at this point, just, un- like, knowing and, like, having many friends who test positive, and these people only find out that they've tested positive because, you know, and it's people who've, who are vaccinated and boosted, and they're trying to do the responsible thing by taking tests before they see their loved ones, and then they find out that they're testing positive, and another holiday is gone down the drain. And I mean, it's it's funny. So obviously, Rob and I are married. Rob is Catholic. I am Jewish, and so I only just recently got to start doing Christmas. And now there's been two Christmases that have been ruined because of COVID. And I'm very over it. To be completely honest, I am extremely over it. I just want Christmas. I just want to eat a lot of food with a big family and drink a lot of wine and, you know, have to deal with a cranky baby later and be fine with it. Like, this is what I want. But instead, there's responsibilities and you have to worry about how is this going to affect my daughter? How is this going to affect my immunocompromised parents? How is this going to affect the community around me? Like, people just don't have any sense of anything other than themselves. And it's just, it's upsetting. Anyway, so that's my whole rant. What do I think the NHL is doing? I think fine. I don't really want to see a shutdown. I think I'd rather see no fans at the games than see a shutdown. I'm with um, that. But hopefully, hopefully, Omicron just goes away, and we don't. You know, because it, it was going, everything was going pretty well before this shit show of December happened. So, you know, like Rob said, like we were at a dinner last week. We all tested ourselves beforehand. Everyone was negative, and we went into a private room and it was okay, but like, I don't know. like do I should I have to test myself now every time I go out? It sucks. It just sucks. I'm yeah just well, and that's very over it.
0: really good uh, segue actually into sort of what the NHL is doing about this. So they announced their updated protocols, new protocols, which will remain in effect through January 7th, which seems. Too short, but I guess maybe that I mean, look, they work with medical professionals. I think they have access to a lot of I don't know. Maybe they're not direct Biden administration people, but they have access access to pretty, you know, big time public health experts. So, you know, the NHL is currently choosing to test everybody every day. Um, some of the other leagues are taking a little bit of a different approach. And I think I wanted to talk about this a little bit. So uh, the NFL, they've announced they are not testing Vaccinated players who are asymptomatic. So basically, if you're fully vaccinated and you're feeling well, you're fine. You're in the clear to play. Um, the NHL, meanwhile, went from testing every third day. So that was um, not including off days. So basically, if you had like game, practice, off day, game, you'd get practice. You'd get tested on the third day of those four. Um, you get you get tested on that on that second game day, and then it- you'd go through that cycle again. Um, they're going to go to everyday testing now. So you know, this is, um, it's interesting. And I, you know, I guess, I don't know, Russ, if you have any, um, I don't know if you have any initial thoughts about that, but I kind of personally understand, and I think this might be, um, the way society is going to have to work moving forward. Like basically if you're vaccinated and you feel well, like you're in the clear. And I think that, I think that that might be the way to go, but, but maybe that's being a little bit, um, you know, ignorant of, of all the other factors like Becky was mentioning, mentioning earlier. So I don't know if you what are you, what are your thoughts on how the NHL is approaching this and what they're doing about it, you know, regarding in regards to testing.
1: I think testing every day is definitely the way to go at least for a little while here. You want to make sure that if someone has a positive result, you you know as soon as it's, as soon as it's happened and not 2 to 3 days after the initial, you know, diagnosis. So I think that's great. Um, I agree with you about if you're vaccinated and you're feeling fine, uh, that you should be allowed to play. I think that that is probably the best pathway forward we have here. Um, I like that the NHL is saying, you know, when teams are on the road, you know, no more eating out, no more, you know, stay with your team, stay indoors, do that. And if that's what has to happen for now, for there to be a hockey season, you know, you have to do it. And these guys are getting paid a lot of money to play hockey and win games for their team. And, you know, if there's a little more restriction saying, hey, you can't go out to eat or hey, just stay around your team more or quarantine yourself a little more when you're on the road. I think that's a worthy sacrifice to make so we can keep the NHL season moving.
2: Well, and my my question is, too, like, okay, can you somehow incentivize this? If you say, like, okay, vaccinated players are not going to be tested, um, you know, vaccinated players will only be tested if they're symptomatic, let's say that, or, like, boosted players are right. only going to be va- tested if they're symptomatic. Yeah, maybe and, boosted, yeah. Yeah, and you don't get paid for days that you're not playing. I mean, like... It's kind of iffy because anyone could get it. You could be boosted. You can get it. Like, I don't, I guess it's kind of, you know, it's a crapshoot, honestly. But, like, also if you're boosted, your chances of giving it to someone else are very, are much, I don't want to say very slim because I don't have exact numbers in front of me, but, like, it's lower than if you're unvaccinated and you, you know, are in someone else's face. So maybe just finding ways to incentivize getting a booster
0: well, and it I does seem like I mean, the union would never agree to like no pay. I mean, they, they did agree, I suppose. I think that currently if you're unvaccinated and you test positive and need to be removed, I believe they are uh, they go they forego their paycheck in those in those instances. So there there was a little bit of an incentive there. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe you can incentivize boosters.
2: Yeah, That's what I mean, mean, like something like that.
1: Tyler Bertuzzi, I think he's the only one the NHL has said is on vaccine, and he doesn't get his salary when they play games where he can't play. So I think that that might there might be something to that idea. To be honest,
0: yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, it's interesting. And I mean, you know, look the the other piece of news, and then we'll move on. is just around the Olympics, um, Becky. I was going to come to you first on this. Are you? What are your thoughts on how do you feel about NHL players not uh, being part of the Olympics this year?
2: I mean, I'm happy. To be completely honest, I'm happy. Um, I don't think that there necessarily should be an Olympics this year, but that's like, I know, kind of an unpopular opinion. But we're still in the middle of a fucking pandemic. So that's all.
0: Russ, where are you on the Olympic issue?
1: I think that pulling out was the best idea with the current state of COVID and, and, you know, the protocols. If they got it and they were stuck over there, I mean, then they're stuck in China for quite some time, and I know guys don't want to be away from their families. But I think it's just really sad because the United States was going to have a really fun team at the Olympics, if, you know, if in a perfect world. And the, kind of the last time we saw a big international tournament at the World Cup of Hockey, it wasn't really that great because the United States built their team kind of weird from what I remember, and it wasn't like the most exciting mm-hmm. team to watch. And, you know, this time you could have had a team with austin matthews matthew kachuk and adam fox on the same team that's you know that's fun that would have been a lot of fun and it just kind of it just kind of sucks that we won't be able to see a lot of the really good american players play together and you know they're all just going to be older next time the olympics come around and you know it's best decision to pull out but sad that we won't get to see a team like that
2: yeah that was well said
0: yeah i was gonna say i'm a little bummed for the players themselves that especially you know i mean chris Kreider is actually a great example kind of probably a bubble guy and like you know the the names you mentioned russ just show how much talent there is but you know could he have been maybe like a third or fourth line guy um especially with the goal totals he's put up this year um he obviously has not been previously on an olympic team he was obviously in the uh, at the lower levels with juniors and u16 u18 and all that but um You know, a guy like him, maybe this is his last chance to play in the Olympics. Mika Zibanejad, similar thing. Um, I do feel bad for those guys. You know, obviously Adam Fox probably gets another shot at it, assuming the world becomes a more normal place in four years. I don't, cannot even imagine what my head will be like if we're talking about this four years from now. Um, But we're probably not in a very good place. Um, So, yeah, I I definitely feel bad for those guys. And I agree, Russ. I think it would have been a great tournament just because the sport has so many great young players now from from all countries, but especially, you know, Canada and the U.S. seem to be really on an upswing right now. You know, whereas there were previous, you know, years where Sweden and Russia kind of became dominant. I think there would have been a very good chance of a U.S.-Canada, you know, semi or final again. And uh, it kind of sucks that we won't get to see that. But it is what it is. Absolutely the right move to, uh, to pull out. And selfishly as a ranger fan i'm really happy that none of the key players are going to be missing for too long so um and it does look like i did read that the nhl will be making up some games during that three day uh three week break so um obviously there's a ton of postponed games now that need to be made up there will be a bit of a a scheduling issue with all the um arena availability and and travel that that needs to be considered but i do believe that you know we we're not going to have a total pause of hockey for those three weeks either of nhl hockey at least so that is a, a slight upside as well. Um, all right, well, let's move on. In, 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 in the Christmas spirit, as Becky was saying, she's a recent sort of Christmas convert. Um, I wanted to just talk a little bit about, uh, because we are on the point of the season now where I think you can co- sort of evaluate where your team is at, um, maybe what your strengths and weaknesses are. Um, and so the way I figured I'd pose the question for us to, to discuss is, you know, what should be on the Rangers' wish list this holiday season? Now, you know, normally this sort of question, people's minds immediately go to, like, trades. Like, oh, let's go trade for a right wing because God knows they need that. But, you know, I'm thinking we could broaden it out just a little bit. And so, you know, um, it could be a trade target. It could be maybe the health of some key players. It could be, um, I don't know, anything else. uh, But I want you guys to be creative with it. So, Russ, since you're the new guy, I want to start with you. Um, what is on your, or what should be on, I guess, the Rangers' wish list here as we head into uh, into Christmas?
1: All right, so I, well, I was thinking about this, and there's two things I would really love to see. Uh, the first thing is uh, I want to preface this by saying I even wrote a piece on the guy a few weeks ago for, for the site. I love Ryan Strome. I think he's been fantastic since he's been here. I, I mean, the guy gets paid to put up points next to Panarin, and that's what he's doing. Great. But in that space on the first power play unit, On the right wall. um, I think that that should be Kako or Lafreniere for the rest of the season. I think that if you really want to stick to this philosophy of, okay, Booch is gone. These two are in the spotlight. Let's get moving. Put one of them permanently on your first power play unit and let them play with the most skilled guys and let them work and let them get minutes here. We've seen what Kapalka can do on the first power play unit just la- basically two games ago when he scored when he scored that great goal, and he was driving play during the game. Like, let this kid play there, or even Lafreniere, who you know who could probably use a confidence kick in the butt right now more than anybody. Let him play up there along the right wall with these guys. Let him try to get some shots in from there. I just you know. I understand the Rangers are winning and things are going well, but that doesn't mean you can't switch things up to see if things could go better. And maybe Kakarou Lafreniere there would really be an interesting dynamic on the power play, and Gallant should really consider it. The second thing is I've been tooting this horn all season. I have no idea if it's possible since they've been winning a lot recently like we have but, man, it just really, really would be something to see Philip Forsberg in red, white, and blue by the trade deadline. <laughs> I think that that's the player that fills every need. I know Tomas Hurdle is the one that people talk about, but Philip Forsberg playing up there with Mika Zibanejad or, or Strom and Panarin, God, that would be so fun to watch. And I think, at, at the very least, Chris Drury should call David Poyle and see if they're even thinking of moving him, and if they are, that's your guy.
0: All right, I like it. Um... I agree with you especially about Kako on the power play and 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 the two games that we've seen him filling in obviously with Panarin out so he's played about I guess he's got a game and a half or so uh, in in that free slot on the power play obviously Strom is still out there as well he does not look lost you know and 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 it doesn't look like the Rangers are afraid to get him involved and 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 have him touch the puck and, and become part of the become part of the the movement and the you know the the sets on on the power play so I agree. And I mean, you know, if, if it also may help the second unit and, you know, I think there's a lot of times in the game, especially when you get three, four five power plays that your second unit actually gets time. And, and I think what the second unit is missing is a little bit of a calming presence, which Strom could be if you put him down there. So, no, uh, great shots for sure. Um, Becky, what's on what's on your wish list for the
2: Rangers? I just want Igor to stay healthy. Oh, and I also want Mika to start actually scoring goals. I know he did, but more. Like I want the floodgates to open. I'm like like Kylo Ren in the freaking first whatever movie where he's just screaming more like a complete maniac. Like that's me wanting Zavantajat <laughs> goals. Cool. So um, yeah. Those two things. Very simple.
0: Yeah, so a return to form for Mika Zavantajat I think is the right way to, to right way to put that because he's not really been himself and i mean i think he's been good he's been better this year than he was last year last year was a real struggle for him you know obviously because of covid and just the weirdness of the whole season but he's not quite gotten back to that level that we saw in his first few seasons as a ranger obviously the the season that uh originally got shut down for covid the 1920 season where he was just i was on like a 100 point pace i mean the guy was ridiculous so a return to form would be would be great to see um yeah honestly my, my i I've got a couple of things as well I think one of them is probably gonna be a little bit on un, not unpopular but uh, I am also uh wishing for for health and specifically about uh with Igor I think that's a great shout and I think every time he misses a few games the talk about oh is he injury prone and are we looking at another I mean, I don't want to say Mike Richter because he obviously had a great career, but, you know, his last, um, you know, five, six, seven seasons were, were marred by injury. Um, and, it, and it actually caused a long standing goalie issue, which we're not used to here as Ranger fans. We've gone from Lundquist to Shisterkin and um, traditionally the franchise has had great goaltending. But there was a little bit of a period there when Richter was hurt um, and then they drafted um, a guy named Dan Blackburn. He got hurt and then they were kind of plugging in veterans and that didn't really work. So the goaltending was shoddy for a little bit there. I just don't want to see that happen with Igor here, where, where it's a potentially great career derailed by injuries. So hopefully this is his final little uh, bout with something, and he can you know he can continue to play uh, a lot of games. Although side note, very glad to see Georgiev kind of turned his game around. He's been fantastic. Um, somebody got in my mentions a couple of weeks ago about you know when I was actually saying oh you know it sucks the Rangers don't seem like they can quite hang with these top teams yet. Some guy was like, well, you know, they haven't had Igor. Georgiev's been in the game, net for all these games. And I was like, dude, Georgiev's been awesome. He's playing to like a 955 save percentage. Like, goaltending is the last issue for this team right now. And, and kudos to, to Georgiev for turning his game around. Um, the, thing I, the other thing I want to see is, and then we'll get to some other trade stuff in a bit, but um, I think the Rangers sh- need to go out and get one more veteran defenseman. I think just with the way things have shaken out with Nemeth still not so great finding his footing, you know, Nils Lundqvist, you know, has he maybe lost a little bit of trust from the coaching staff? We've already seen way too much Libor Hayek for our liking. So the, the, the 5, 6, 7 D slots are a little bit of a mess here. I know Dave's going to listen to this and he's going to be screaming into the void like Zach Jones, Zach Jones, Zach Jones. I don't think Zach Jones is the answer. I think they need to go out and find a bona fide veteran defenseman, preferably one that's, you know, um, well, it doesn't matter. I was going to say left-handed, but it really doesn't matter. But somebody who can come in and play reliable sort of bottom four, bottom pair minutes uh, for them because... I just think that you know you look at the teams that win the Stanley Cup and, and go d- on deep playoff runs, and they have that kind of defensive depth. So, and Zach Jones ain't it, even though I think he's going to be a great player. He's too young, and they're, they're not going to send him up and have him play next to either Nemeth or Nils Lundqvist. just not going to happen. So um, maybe they go out and get a defenseman. So, all right, those are our wish lists. Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And before we wrap up, Um, Becky, I want to send it to you. And I think we've got a few fan questions to read.
2: We do. So a couple more have even come in while we've been recording. So that's exciting stuff. Um, So the first one is a friend of the pod, a friend of mine, um, my favorite person, Jessica Lynn 312 And it actually has to do with what we were just talking about. Um, I think Rob might have done that on purpose. So (laughs) the question is, if you could have any current NHL player on the Rangers, who would it be? Salary doesn't matter, and you wouldn't have to trade anyone. So this is pure fantasy. I love this question.
0: Yeah, great question, and I'll, I'll give the floor to you, Russ, first.
1: Oh, this is a fun one. I mean, the easy, the easy answer is the man in Edmonton, so I'm not going to pick that one. For mm-hmm. me, this team's window... With with kind of how they've structured the contracts and how the feel is, it seems like over the next three to four years is where they're really trying to hammer home this championship for the city. Man, I would pay good money to see Alexander Ovechkin on the New York Rangers. Like, (laughs) I would pay some. Oh my God. I would do illegal things to have Ovechkin here. Like, (laughs) holy crap. Can you imagine? Oh, what what happened? What did I say? What did I do? That's,
2: that was my answer. And Jess is going to text oh. me tomorrow morning and be like, we're not friends anymore because <laughs> I said it, that. It's just so, my answer.
1: That was the first name that came to mind when I saw the question because, man, Ovechkin just ripping home goals in New York City for the next four years? Sign me right the fuck up.
2: <laughs> I totally agree. That's my answer, too.
0: <laughs> wow. And, you know, I didn't even... I didn't even go there. You know, I kind of went, as you said, Ross, straight to McDavid. Um, And, you know, I know, you know, and and the caveat to the question, which is brilliant, by the way, like you said, uh, Becky, um, you know, salary not mattering and and just you wouldn't have to give up anything to get get the player. So obviously my head goes straight to McDavid. But even just thinking about, wow, you know, they need centers. Um, Sorry, Mika. Sorry, Ryan Strome. But you guys get bumped down a notch because the best player in the world is now on the team. Um, And... You add him to this group, you probably have a really good chance of, of, of winning multiple championships. Um uh, oh, a thousand percent. <laughs> it, it's, just that, it's just that simple. So um, I think that that's probably the answer I'm going to stick with. Um, that's really funny, though, that both you guys thought of, of Ovechkin. My mind did not go there, and that's not to say I don't love Ovi. I absolutely love the dude, even though he plays for a team we all deeply, deeply dislike. I hope he breaks Wayne Gretzky's record. Um, I have no time for any of the discourse that you know from old hockey men who are trying to say that that record is going to be tainted or or illegitimate because of shootouts or no ties or whatever. Um, Ovechkin scoring as many goals as he has in this era, as the goaltending has gotten better and better and better, and defense has gotten much more sophisticated, and he's lost all that time to COVID seasons and lockouts, would absolutely be a legitimate goal record. I hope he scores. A thousand goals, honestly. Me too. Um, he's the best. Yeah, he's yeah, the best. He's awesome. He is. So I remember,
1: without the two, without the lockout shortens, and Ovechkin losing his entire rookie season or what was supposed to be his rookie season, he's already probably at 830, 840 at this point. And we're talking about a thousand, like you just said, mm-hmm.
0: right? Yeah, and he's probably gonna end up somewhere in the 900s, it's, I would I would imagine if he, you know if he does, as long as he doesn't slow. I mean, he's leading the league in scoring right now, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. As a <laughs> as a thirty six year old, he's leading the league in scoring.
0: Yeah, thirty ain't insane. dead.
2: <laughs>
0: no, no, it's not. I mean, it's um, older than I
2: am, but it ain't dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, all right, so Jess, don't don't defriend me in real life for saying Ovechkin. You can take my spot next week and take over the podcast if you want. Um, our next question comes from at tktrckt10 Ticket Rocket.
0: Okay. <laughs> that sounds like, a,
2: <laughs> this sound sounds like a. startup. <laughs> yeah, it does sound like a <laughs> Ticket rocket. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the new Ticketmaster, except they don't they don't eat all the tickets up with bots. Um, God, I hope you still listen to the podcast after this. Do you think they try to trade crabs off plus others to get a right wing?
0: Um, Perfect. sure. I'll go first. Yes. Um, that ship has sailed. I, we've talked about it plenty on this show, but but always happy to to answer the question. Yeah, I mean, look, it's complicated by the fact that he's not going to come back from the KHL until that season ends. So any team that's looking for help now or looking to get a guy in this season to, you know, if it's a young rebuilding team and they want to get a firsthand look at him, he's over in Russia. And, you know, this is actually something that I think people are underrating about this whole situation um, and it's something that Connell has brought up, you know, in our, he's one of the guys of the blog, for those of you who might know him, we're going to have him on the show at some point too. Um, I think we underestimate how, especially in this era of, you know, uh, everything being on TV and on the internet all the time. And it's like, oh, you know, you could go to YouTube and pull up 20 minutes of Vitaly Kravtsov highlights and be like, wow, that guy's a hell of a hockey player. But when you're actually evaluating talent, when you're actually evaluating the fit for your team... You want to see the guy up close, and the Rangers don't get that opportunity right now because he refused that assignment to Hartford, and obviously he would be with the NHL team right now anyway because of the injuries and all the stuff that happened earlier in the year, so that's part of the ridiculousness of the whole situation anyway, but, you know, look, he's over in Russia until March or April, so trading him is not going to be easy. You know, people are just like, oh, you've got this blue-chip prospect sitting there, like, trade him, and it takes two to tango. And right now, I bet you Chris Drury's made or has has either made or is making plenty of calls, and and people certainly are not biting, especially for a premium a premium uh, NHL player. So it's going to be Kravtsov plus, like like the question says, others um, to get a right wing. Um, it could also be Kravtsov in another deal entirely. But you know, short answer to that question is yes, I do think that they'll trade him, um, but it may not be this season because he's over in Russia. Uh, Go ahead, Russ. I'd know you, I love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: The I, I agree with uh, all your points on Kravtsov for sure. I just think that, like you said, since he is in Russia and he can't come back until the KHL season is over, that this will be an off-season deal, um, pro- probably around the draft. I mean, I, I'm still in the camp of hoping that there's some way they can resolve the situation, but it might really be too late for that, depending on what reports you believe. But... Um, any team that does want solve, I think it, they're going to wait on it because, like you said, they're going to have to wait for the help. And getting rid of a roster player, which is obviously what people want here and what people are asking for, a middle six to top six roster player, no team is going to want to get rid of that and not have the main piece come back and see what they have immediately. So I just think it's going to be an off-season deal, and they'll do their best to get an impact winger there.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be an off-season deal. Um, and I, I think it's sad it couldn't work out, but we've kind of gone over that ad nauseum, so. All right, last question, and then I'm asking a question to you both, so. Um, Bill Goldthorpe, who is your favorite Rangers legend, and why is it Peter Pruka?
1: (laughs) Healthy scratch,
2: Peter Pruka.
0: (laughs) Right in our era, too. I mean, especially yours, Russ. You know, you you said you came kind of into Ranger fandom right around that time that, you know, that Pruka's rookie year with Yager, when that, that was, like, that was the team that brought the Rangers out of their seven season malaise of missing the playoffs. Um, I love the question though. And as the old guy in the room here, I'll take it. Um, I've got a couple, but this guy came up on my Twitter timeline and I guess we'll go for a little a true walk down memory lane, a little bit of a, of a history lesson right now. Um, but he was one of my first favorite, you know, hockey players ever. It's Not a name you guys are going to know, he's he was kind of a you know a deep cut, if you will. But Darren Turcott, so he played in the late 80s, early 90s. He was actually on the 93 94 cup team, but was traded early in that season. Um, you know, the Rangers famously unloaded a lot of talented players throughout the course of that season, brought in a lot of former champions, gritty guys, a lot of Barkley Goodrow types. Honestly, that's what. Uh, a lot of the moves they made were very similar to, you know, the Rangers bringing in Goodrow, guys who had previously won cups, played a grittier style. Um, Turcott was a, you know, to my memory, kind of a Ryan Strom type. He was kind of like a middle six center, played decent defense, all situations player, put up decent point totals as well, and he wore number eight. I just remember liking him as a seven, eight year old kid when I really first started watching hockey. So, um, that's a deep cut. I don't know how many, how many people listening to the show will even know who that is. Um, but, um, big fan of his. And then, you know, growing up, uh, a little bit older, um, I did love, uh, you know, Graves and Leach, of course. Um, is a great shout too from that kind of Yager era. I mean, he was just such a fun player to root for. So, um, yeah, that, that's my answer, though. I'm going uh, Darren Turcott. Definitely not a legend, but one of my uh, deep-cut favorites.
1: Okay, this is a great question because there's two there's two guys specifically who fit this mold for me. The first one uh, is definitely Marion Gabrick. And when the Rangers signed Marion Gabrick uh, 2009, I believe it was, that summer— um, you know, I, I knew we were getting a good player, and I was still relatively new to hockey, so I wasn't, like, watching all the games out west yet, and I wasn't getting super involved besides the Rangers. But, you know, I was like, oh, you know, early days of YouTube, looking this up, looking up who this guy is, and then he comes here, and he puts up 40 goals, and he has a shot that's like the wind, and I was like, wow, this guy is, like, that, that was... That was hockey to me. Like I was like, this is the guy who, if I ever played hockey, I wanted to be like. Like Gabrick just had me enamored when he was in New York. I just loved everything about his game, even though Tortorella didn't. But that's another story. <laughs> um, uh, my second guy, though, definitely the first hockey jersey I ever bought. The first guy, you know, who I ever was like, that's what it means to be a New York Ranger is Ryan Callahan. That's, the, I mean, I love that guy to death. And even though the Marty St. Louis trade obviously, you know, paid off well for us, it was full of magical moments when Marty was here. I was very upset when Ryan Callahan left the New York Rangers because that was my boy for as long as he was here. And, I mean, you want to talk about homegrown from draft pick to captain, everything in between, clutch goals, much love for Ryan Callahan. Much, much love.
2: Um, I think – so when I start, I started watching late, I started watching like 08, 09. Um, And I loved, like, Freddie Shustrom, Nigel Dawes. Like, I just liked everything going on over there. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) they're just such a fun team. But I think, honestly, like, I don't know. I loved Brandon Dubinsky. He was probably my first favorite Ranger. Um, And, again, like, I obviously started watching late. I wasn't a um, 94 person or whatever. But um, I think I loved Brandon Dubinsky. I just liked him a lot and the way he played and the way he beat the shit out of a Gatorade bottle and you know so he's my guy um I like want good things for him I remember getting like extremely annoyed because I remember a couple of years ago someone wrote an article like alluding to him having a gambling problem and essentially used it as like a byline to like get people to pay for their content and there was really no background information on that and i felt like fiercely protective for some reason and i'm like oh yeah because he was like my first favorite ranger that makes perfect sense and also that's a shitty thing to do um so yeah he was he was my first favorite ranger and i i don't know he's my guy
0: you know who i thought you were gonna say though who dominic moore
2: Oh, I love Dom. But he's not like I don't know. Well, maybe he is kind of a legend because he, he was drafted by the Rangers and left for a while and played like everywhere and then came back to be I mean, that team was so much fun. And he 13, scored the most team. exciting
1: goal I've oh, in my. my Rangers fandom. I mean the dominant. <laughs> and then bulldozed goal is my Brian Boyle. Team. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> At, like
2: bulldozing someone who's like literally like seven inches taller than you. Like Yeah. It was amazing.
0: Well also, uh what I'll say to Anybody who wants to say, like, MSG, like, the atmosphere isn't the same, blah, blah. Go watch the highlight of Dominic Moore scoring that goal that, that eventually puts them into the cup final and tell me that's not the loudest hockey crowd you've ever heard. I mean, that place oh, had yeah. to be shaking. And I think people that were that's there amazing. said, especially the bridges, were, like, were shaking back and forth. I mean, I mean that was an insanity. So, um, yeah, I thought you were going to say Dominic Moore. So, But, no, Brandon Dubinsky, absolutely. And all those guys from... I mean, those teams really rebuilt the Rangers, you know, to what they are today, which is a team that, you know, again, after they won the Cup, the Rangers went quickly into the doldrums and, you know, a couple of other playoff runs, but, you know, kind of short-lived stuff. I think they made the conference final one more time, but the late 90s until Yarmir Yager shows up and then a few years after that, Callahan and Dubinsky, like, it was really bad. It was like New York Knicks bad. and. <laughs> though basically Jager, Lunquist Callahan Dubinsky, and frankly Stall and Girardi saved this franchise and I think those guys should be they really are legends in a way, even though they didn't bring home the big one. Um, I think they deserve a lot of credit. So they you know, did those everything are they could. Awesome. They did they everything yeah.
1: they could. And you know, it's yeah. it's Absolutely. always the, the story with them is that they that te- those teams were always seemingly one one scorer away. It was always one score away the whole time and uh twenty fourteen yeah. will always haunt my mind.
2: Oh, yeah, me too. um okay, and then final question, because this week is Christmas, and I know that not everyone celebrates Christmas, but because tis the season, holiday season, whatever what um what are you personally wishing for? Could be something tangible, could be something theoretical. Um, what do you want this holiday season if you could have anything?
1: Rob, you want to handle this first?
0: hmm. You know what, in light of everything that's going on with with covid, uh, you know, and Becky, you mentioned this earlier that, you know, we're being very cautious and trying to, you know, get tested before we see people, you know, as of now, as we speak on, you know, this is Wednesday morning. When you listen to this, the plan for us is to go spend Christmas with, you know, some extended family, not a big 40 person blowout, which is often the case on you know my mom's side of the family is very big, but. I really just want to be able to sit there on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, we're kind of celebrating on both days, and just sit at back and relax with a, you know, a beer or a glass of wine in my hand and just take in the moment of being surrounded by family and and close friends because that's something that we've been robbed of so, you know, so much over the last few years that just to be able to sit back um, and enjoy that time and, and you know not feel stressed out about everything, which has basically been the state of being for everybody for the last two plus years. Um, that's really what I want is, it's just a moment to sort of truly relax and appreciate, um, you know, this great family that, that I'm surrounded by. Cause you know, obviously I have a great, you know, family of my own, but you know, very close with my brother and my, my parents and um, cousins and, and, and in-laws and all that stuff. So that's really what I want as cheesy as it sounds.
1: I, Probably cannot have said that any better, though. Like, I, my, my answer is a return to normalcy as soon as humanly possible. Who knows when that's going to be at this point? But like Becky, I'm a member of the tribe, and my partner, uh, you know, celebrates Christmas. So I have not had uh, the big Christmas experience in my, my new place I've lived in for two years now. So I'm awaiting to have that big Christmas experience where I don't have to worry, like Rob was saying. So, I mean, Hanukkah is always a blast, but I am just waiting to have my my massive Christmas uh, explosion one of these days. So, honestly, I truly hope that whatever we have to do as a people, as a society, just I want us to get back to the point where we can go and see our folks and the people nearest to us and, you know, for those that have children, not have to worry about going outside, bring something to them, just... I miss when you didn't have to worry about walking to the store. And I really hope that, you know, as soon as humanly possible, we can get back to, you know, some sense of normalcy as soon as possible.
2: Yep, I agree. Um, I mean, I agree with both of you. And, like, especially, you know, it's funny. We had, like, a tiny little Hanukkah shindig just, um, you know, like, my brother and sister-in-law my niece came over and it was really fun because my niece doesn't celebrate Hanukkah and so she was able to kind of like you know celebrate with us and it's you know she and my and our daughter are just very close in age and I'm just extremely grateful that they're close in proximity close in age they'll kind of grow up together um and I you know so I want more moments like that but um You know, on top of all that, I also really just, like, want to go on vacation one of these days. (laughs) I want to feel comfortable getting on an airplane one of these days. Um, But that's, you know, on top of truly what I want is what the both of you want. Um, Safety, health for my loved ones, because you truly don't realize how important it is until you don't have it. Um, And everyone says it for your whole life, but it's true. So... Here's hoping that everyone is healthy, safe, has a wonderful holiday season. Um, However, you may or may not celebrate. That's just, you know, and hopefully Omicron. I feel like I'm always pronouncing it wrong, but whatever. Um, Hopefully it just gets the hell out of here and, you know, doesn't do too much damage. And that's it for the questions. So, Rob. All
0: right. No, I mean, that's that's great. And I think I'll just add on top of that, you know, would love to... Maybe have a week here where we, you know, have three or four Ranger games, and then don't have to go through another five, six, seven day break before the next one. You know, a hockey season is <laughs> normally like an every other day thing, and this whole year, even before this break, has has not felt like that. So, here's to a full schedule of hockey this winter, um, and and into the spring, and and maybe even the early summer. You know, if 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 all breaks right for the Rangers, but you know, a lot of time between now and then. So. Uh, that's it for us. Russ really, uh, just wanted to say thanks again for joining us. Uh, it was a pleasure, uh, and please come back another time.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me. I will. I would love to be back anytime. It was a pleasure to chat with you guys.
0: Live from the blue seats is a production of blue seat blogs. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already, we're currently available on iTunes and Spotify. If you can spare a minute, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps other fans find the show. Follow us on Twitter at BlueSeatsLive and check out BlueSeatBlogs.com, the longest-running fan site for all things Rangers, from news and opinion to video analysis and For Dave and Becky, this is Rob signing off. We'll see you next time.